This is episode 117 for this Tuesday. I'm your host for this week, Allison Seigen, uh, with my guest, Niall McGowan. How are you doing? Oh, yeah, fine. The, the, things are starting to heat up around here, though. As we can oh, see. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is covering minute uh, one hour and 56 minutes in um, through the 59-second mark. Uh, and let's just get started on this. Um, so this, this minute is basically more of... Chris Evans as Ransom doing his plan, or we're seeing the flashbacks of how he made his plan uh, unfold. We see the rest of the medical examiner's office come up in flames, which we talked about last um, last minute. And then he also sent Marta the blackmail note, and then meets up with, Fl- uh, with Fran. Uh, the dialogue ends in the middle of Bonk's line, now the board is set. Uh, so what did you think about this minute? Uh, well... One thing I took away from it was um, it was just shocking to me uh, to find out today in like doing a little bit of research is that you know you get seeing uh, Ransom sending the email and it's from mm-hmm. something called Proton Mail mm-hmm. and I was under the impression like oh this is because they didn't want to like have to pay Google or Yahoo or whatever so they're like we made up an email service and then it's like I looked in there it was like no Proton Mail actively actually exists it's an encrypted yeah, mm-hmm. email service I was like I never knew it yeah yeah and it's it's the thing that it's like pretty easy to set, uh, sign up for so I've actually like used it if I've just like wanted to set up an email for a quick you know don't want to give somebody my actual email address so it just, let's it, just come up with a quick Proton Mail it's apparently it was crowdfunded it was like, like a crowdfunded service and then it was initially it was like invite only and now they've sort of opened it all up and stuff but it just seems like oh yeah an encrypted email service it's like oh I've oh, seen we're doing all sorts of illegal crap over here <laughs> don't you worry Proton oh Mail. absolutely we'll come it like, right up for you <laughs> this is super encrypted but hey I mean that like it's a nice little bit of flavor text that uh, like, like you kind of imagine that ransom is like, okay, what's the safest, mo- what's the most secure email service so that I can si- sign up to send Marta this blackmail uh, email? <laughs> It'd be and terrible how we like, go through his Google search history and it's like most encrypted email. Service. <laughs> <laughs> let's okay, let's let's just Google most encrypted email and. You're gonna be put- the first one that pops up is Proton Mail. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we did it. Because <laughs> he didn't do that I, much I think work we've, for it. I think we've cracked the code here that uh, Ransom clearly Googled most secure email and was like, nice. Yeah. Well, I was also <laughs> and, quite and impressed sh- that, well, what, two things in seeing on the screen was, because yeah. uh, he's only got like two tabs open too. Like my phone, I think I... Oh my God. I have like... My, I, I don't think my phone counts the number of tabs I have open anymore. I just have too many. <laughs> Same with my, uh, like, when I'm on PC. So I'm like, mm. Ransom, you, I don't know what you're doing here. This is, this should be a clue that you're 
up to no good. I thought, but... I thought at least he might be like incognito mode, but it seems like now it's just as normal. Maybe he's just like I don't know because these. It, it, well, I guess he maybe he is a he is a planner, isn't he? So maybe he is. Yeah, more tidy but I mean, like, in his, ma- in his phone. I, spo- I suppose, but also like, is this the first time that he's planned something of this level? So I, I feel like I don't. I, maybe there's like some some stuff where it's like once he once he is uh, investigated. There's stuff like, oh, he uses a secure email like ProtonMail, but then also he has that in his Google history of secure email. <laughs> it could also be as well, like he is rich. Like he could have just bought a new phone. Like th- this oh, is essentially okay. mm. a burner to him, but it's like a $500 like iPhone It's a, or it's a burner for him, but it's like, no, it, yeah. I mean, that's true. He, like, even, even if he thinks, oh, I might have been cut off, he's like, well... I clearly need a burner phone, and what am I going to use? Like mm. a flip phone? I'm not poor, so. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> so this is new, is new, brand new, like very expensive burner phone. Two tabs open. One tab is the email. The other tab is the Google search most encrypted email service. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, I also was quite impressed. It's five ten, I guess, in the morning. Is it the? Is it supposed to? Is it oh, fi- yeah, yeah. Because the because t- the time that he is to meet up with Fran is eight a.m. That's so, right. Yeah. Because Benoit yeah. Blanc talked about it being the late morning rendezvous. I was like, late morning. Yeah. It's eight a.m. Well, Jesus I, Christ. I mean, he he set it up for with Marta for ten a.m. Um, so I guess that's the late morning is is meeting up with Marta. But I'm still like I I am not a morning person. So I'm like I don't know. Ten a.m. is pretty mid morning for me. Not, oh yeah, yeah. Not like late morning. <laughs> Unless if you're taking like. Morning begins at midnight, <laughs> like that. Maybe then, eight and ten a.m. would be know. considered late morning. But to me, it's like no, no. That's eight a.m. is early morning. <laughs> ten a.m. is my, midmorning. My dad wakes up not too far after four a.m. So I'm like, I Ooh. guess eight a.m. would be late morning for him. Holy moly! But I don't know why. It's very weird. My parents are morning people, and I am very much not. So it's. An interesting dynamic there where they're talking about their day and I'm like, I don't know, I didn't get up until nine today, so uh, that's the thing. My 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 dad now is like a man like he's like, you know, seventy six years old. And he's mm-hmm. a guy like in terms of just being retired, he's like he doesn't get up till like eleven AM. And he he's quite content oh. to be like, Yeah, <laughs> just lazing around the house. He's like, Well hey, I did I did my work, all right, for like forty odd <laughs> years. It's funny how that's kind of uh, because my my dad's not retired yet, but he is you know he's nearing that age. Um, but like he and my mom, as they get older, they're just getting more active, and it's very weird because uh-huh. they're they're like going out for these like super long walks every morning and like walking like getting up at like four a.m. and I'm like, all right, uh, I'm in my twenties, so I'm supposed to be more active, but I'm just like waking up at nine and. Being yeah. like, no, I'm not gonna go out today. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if you get a, uh, you know, if you go to university, it's it's essentially set you up for that lifestyle, though, because it's oh, one hundred percent. No, I like it's the it's the thing where you see a class starts at nine a.m. and you go, ooh, that's a, that's a little pushing it with yeah. my schedule. <laughs> like I was I lucky enough to live on uh, at least my first year lived on campus to the point where it was like. Oh, if I had a class at nine, I could literally wake up at five minutes to nine and be there. But like, oh, see, see, I lived on campus for the first uh, two years of my uh, university experience, but I lived on one end of the campus, and my campus is so big 
that there were certain classes that I had to, you know, walk 20 minutes to. Oh, so. wow. I, I was very lucky in that regard to be able to say, yeah. the comb, comb through the hair, put on a waistcoat to make it look like you've made some effort, and then be like, swagger in, like, hey, look, I'm, I'm here, I'm ready. I was like, I was literally oh, fast asleep seven minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where, where some of the classes would be uh, on campus for me would be like, on one end of campus, and then in 15 minutes, another class was on the other side of campus. So you basically had to like jog your way to class. It's it was a, it was a big school, and uh, man, that's this is bringing me back. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes when I was going to be late for class, I would email the lecture, but I would do it through an encrypted email service <laughs> from an incredibly expensive burner phone that I purchased. Oh yeah, you you Googled most secure uh, email service so that you could email your professor. <laughs> And then I had another oh. Google of when does my class start and Google like, I don't know, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> who, what are you doing? No, I, no, I just, you email all your friends that to ask when your class is starting and they're like, shouldn't you be keeping track of that? And it's like, no, you're, you're keeping track of that. <laughs> um, I, I feel like though, uh, with this, this particular minute, I feel like this is, I, I, I wrote some notes about each of these minutes that we're talking about this week. Uh, and the first thing I wrote, which I think is a little bit weird, is I feel like this is where Ransom really kind of escalates, which is strange to say because we already know that he was willing to kill Harlot. Mm. But this is kind of where he shows that he's like, okay, uh, I'm willing to kill Fran. I'm willing to destroy this office. I like He's not just going to be passive about switching the vials and be like, uh, let Marta do what he wants. But mm. instead he's like... Uh, no, he's willing to go this extra mile too. Well, that's the thing, like, because yeah. it's it's particularly vicious, and in, in that is like, not to jump ahead too far in the minute, but like when he's injecting, it's like a mm-hmm. full on stab. Like it's not like a oh you slip that in and pull, pull the push the plunger. It's like no, it's, it might as well have been like killing her with the needle by just ripping out her throat with it which or is something. Like, yeah, just like stabbing it, which is very like he's. And, and I mean, I don't know if there is some sort of like, like chloroform on the rag that he held up to her face or something. I don't well, know. I have but to he's very so. much. I yeah, but if that's the case, then you can kind of just wait to inject it. You don't need to like hold her while she's struggling and stab her with the thing. Mm. Like he's maybe he just kind of enjoys it, which I wouldn't doubt considering who he is. But yeah, I mean, we don't know yeah. what other like. What other habits Ransom has beyond this that could have set him up for, you know... Beyond a... this, expensive burner phones and uh, <laughs> presumably from earlier in the movie, uh, designer drugs and alcohol. But... There is a question, actually, because I completely forgot about the, the rag business. Is yeah. is chloroform readily available in American shops? That's what I was wondering. I don't think so, because also... I, I was looking through the script of it because I was very curious about this, and it didn't say anything about chloroform, but at the same time, I kind of, every time I watched it, I assumed that that's what was going on. Mm. But also, like, is that something, that I don't think that's something you can Google and be like, where do you get chloroform, and have that seem very, like, non-suspicious. <laughs> that was on the burner phone that Ransom had yesterday. <laughs> it's like, how oh. Google's where to buy chloroform. It's like, better get rid of this phone now. <laughs> oh, that's, that's his other tab is, where do you get chloroform? Like, his Google history is, like, 
definitely serial killer stuff where <laughs> where do you get chloroform what is a secure email um how to how to send a, a blackmail note it's like it could remind hmm. me of um if darren is editing this hello darren uh but he'll definitely remember Hi. uh there used to be uh, a show in Channel 4 over here uh, called The Adam and Joe Show. And uh, it's actually one of the guys who was in it. Went, he directed uh, Attack the Block. <laughs> went yeah, on to mm-hmm. do that. But uh, Adam Adam Buxton and Joe Cornish. Anyway, the two guys. Uh, but they used to have, do random sketches and stuff. And one of them was kind of like a prank thing where they went in and were blatantly buying the materials for like a kidnapping. But the, just to see what the what the guy at the supermarket would say anything, because they're coming up and be like rope, duct tape, uh, just like rags, all this like, and like a big is this hammer? Is it? But they saying like, is this hammer good? Like, do you think if I bash someone in the head with this, would this knock them out? And the guy kind of standing like, um, sorry, what? What are you asking me? <laughs> like, but the whole thing was just to gauge the reaction of like, oh, so like uh, like Stanley knives, okay, and then like a duffel bag. Like, could you think you could fit the whole person in here and stuff like that? But, um. <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, the thing that's kind of sad is that from my experience working in, in like a retail store, I feel like you'd have to specifically ask those questions for me to actually pay attention. <laughs> because otherwise I'd be like, oh, you're buying a hammer, you're buying a duffel bag, you're buying rope. I'd be like, I don't know, you're living your life, I guess. But you'd have to you'd have to ask that question of, can you fit a body in here for me to be like, wait, 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 let me let me reevaluate the situation. So I'll have to just look up here now because it's never occurred to me before. But uh, so I just all I know of chloroform is oh yeah it's a thing in movies they use to knock right. people out. Right. Oh me too. So like now I've, I've googled what are the actual uses of chloroform. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one because I definitely googled chloroform too because I was because yeah for me too uh, like you know that logically a lot of these things have have to have a use that there isn't just drug like thing that you put on a red to make people fall asleep mm. you know that that's not a reason to sell the thing yeah but also i just know it from the movies of of oh here's a chloroform rag and they pass out mm. well, so it says everything. here according to wikipedia uh, it's used as a solvent so mm-hmm. it, it, it's used in the uh, creation of pesticides okay uh, it's a lewis acid as a reagent but these are all, like, chemical things. Like, oh, you have to be mixing it with other chemicals for it to do anything. So it still seems like you couldn't just walk into a drugstore and a big ball of chloroform just sitting there. It's like, no, you need to go to, like, some sort of scientific research wholesaler or oh. something to get... Okay, okay, so we're, we're getting deep into chloroform here because I'm on the Wikipedia page for chloroform and there's a specific thing for criminal use. Oh! Uh, apparently... <laughs> How, okay, so it's uh, um, it's become widely re- recognized. However, it is nearly impossible to incapacitate someone using chloroform in this manner. It takes at least five minutes of inhaling an item soaked in chloroform to render a person unconscious. <laughs> it's so like one of those things to try to knock someone out with like one punch to the head. It's like no, you, have to, <laughs> right. you really have to batter the absolute crap out of them for it to take any kind of effect. Right. So now now we're ruining the. Anytime you see a movie and there's somebody with a chloroform rag, just know that that's not how it'll work. But oh, I see. Actually, the, um, it's got. Uh, I've zoomed down to that section myself here now, but it's just mentioned that the serial killer H. H. Holmes must have like notarized, uh, notor- notorized, 
made made it notorious. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, using chloroform to kill kill his victims. It's like, oh, I have a book all about H. H. Holmes, uh, the Devil in the White City. I think Martin Scorsese's mm-hmm. ad- adapting it with uh, DiCaprio. So hopefully, maybe then they'll have a se- like one of those sort of Wolf of Wall Street esque sort of sequences of DiCaprio <laughs> turning the camera going like, did I use chloroform? Let me tell you how this stuff works. And then doing a little flashy sort of... Uh, hey, you might think that chloroform on a rag is going to work. Actually, it's not. You have to. <laughs> you have to use it this way. It's like, I don't know if you necessarily need to be telling people how to use chloroform, but, <laughs> you know... Well, apparently, that would be... Many kidnappings have probably been felled by someone thinking, like, I thought this would take, like, two seconds. I was wondering that, too. I was wondering that, too, if there's been times where somebody's like, aha, I figured this out. And then the person's like, what What are you doing? They're like, no, I'm not. I'm not unconscious. I, what, are you, what are you guys doing? So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but hey, I guess, I guess it worked on Marta. <laughs> I, I, I guess it worked. Uh, oh, and also oh not Martha he... France. Sorry, my mistake. But but also, I mean, maybe that's why he had to st- stab her in the neck so violently <laughs> with the in, like the needle, so that you know that's because he couldn't incapacitate her with actual chloroform. Mm. We're we're learning things here. This is an educational podcast <laughs> now. <laughs> I mean, like, the, the uh, like, did you know that the serial killer H. H. Holmes uh, first was the one to popularize the use of chloroform in? I'm, I'm like I'm learning a lot here. Uh, stuff that I don't know if I'll ever be able to use. Probably not because I'm not going to murder people. Uh, and I'll, but but also because it's it's not something where you can really, you know, having a nice dinner conversation with somebody and be like, hey, did you know that chloroform really doesn't incapacitate people in the way that it does in the movies? <laughs> like, I, I would actually encourage you though to do that and then just see what the reaction is. <laughs> Like, how do next you know that? I, oh, I just, I just know next that. time I go to my visit my family and have dinner with them, I'm going to say that I'll be like, "Hey, did you know that chloroform doesn't work like it does in the movies?" And they'll be like, uh, "I don't know why you know that, Allison, but that's a little bit." <laughs> well, you guys have um, Thanksgiving coming up, right? Pretty soon. Yes, we so, do. So you could be like, yeah. if, if you ever have any of those, like the the old cliche of like the unpleasant relatives that are like secretly racist or like <laughs> really. Hard, luckily, hard I, luckily right. I, I have a pretty, sm- I have a smaller family, and we don't really do that. But it's like, I, we've, we've had some weird conversations at, at Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, at one point, um, I put on like an entire, like several minute, uh, John Mulaney bit at Thanksgiving dinner. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe this wouldn't be that out of place. I was thinking, no, if you're already doing that, then like, why not throw in like, oh, by the way, did you know it takes up to five chloroform facts to uh, <laughs> incapacitate someone with the chloroform? <laughs> and did you know that the proton mail is in a heavily encrypted email service that you can just get now? <laughs> it's very secure and it's very easy to sign up for and uh, not traceable. Anyways, they'll be like, uh, but they also know that I, I write fiction sometimes, so they'll probably be like, oh, they they won't be nervous yeah. about that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, separate topic, but uh, one of the t- uh, one of the weekly topics for this podcast is talking about the score um, and the music. And I think that this is of our f- uh, five minutes we're covering one of the best uh, music uh, minutes that we have, just because it's very very tense and it really ramps up in this one. Mm. Um, do you have anything uh, that you particularly like or ha- have to say about the score in Knives Out in general? Uh, well, 
The thing is, because I know it's a uh, is Nathan Johnson, isn't it? The um, Ryan yeah. Johnson's brother mm-hmm. who did the score. And like the thing is, um, not to not that I have any problem with the score in Knives Out. It's like it works great for what it is. But his soundtrack to Brick is like one of the most like original sort of. Oh, his his soundtrack to Brick is good. The, 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 one of the main memories of seeing that movie is like that soundtrack is a, unlike anything I've ever heard in my life. It was amazing. Yeah. Like that feel like it sounded like it's all played on glass and stuff, and very sort of creepy and ethereal, and uh, very very memorable. So that's just to see like yeah. oh, he also did the music for Knives Out. It's okay, you know. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah, it's yeah. I think it's, I think it's I think it's I think it's very good, but it's also very unobtrusive. And I mean that's fine i think that's definitely fine because it's not you know the star of the show here Mm. um but it's not something that i'm necessarily going and being like wow this is a really unique soundtrack but i think that this this minute in particular is one where the soundtrack kind of ramps up the tension in the in the whole scene where you're where you're going back and forth and you're Mm. sending the blackmail note and it's kind of dark this is one of those unfortunate things like they're not all going to be like i think even the the Another example of that would be uh, Micah Levy, who did the music for Under the Skin. And mm-hmm, the music mm-hmm. to Under the Skin is really just absolutely amazing. It's like, well, there's like, I've never heard anything like that. And then you listen to other soundtracks she's done, and it's like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's like, it's good. Like, I can't fault it, but it's not as good as that Under the Skin soundtrack. And she must be just like, I can't be freaking creating original, you never heard this before, and the soundscape masterpieces every time, you know? But... Sometimes right. I just gotta use an orchestra and do a normal job. You're like, well, okay. Right, and okay. It's sometimes that's the that's what they've requested, and they you want something that isn't, you know, going to steal attention away from, from the rest of the movie. But at the same time, it is nice when you get a really good soundtrack. So it's 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 interesting now because I think a lot of um, composers have have stuff like that where it goes back and forth. I I. I don't I'm trying to <laughs> google this quickly like uh because I don't really know the composer but um the people who did on the music for Annihilation oh uh, yeah because that music yeah. that that is like that is like such one of my favorite scores mm. ever yeah, that, by, by far yeah that, oh yeah it's really that that's the thing that stays with you <laughs> once you hear that for the first time. right exactly where it's just so completely um weird and and out there, but it, it fits the movie. And I, I guess that's the most important thing with the score is that it fits the overall movie. And I, I think that Knives Out does, but it's also, you know, not necessarily showy. But, but that's the thing, though, because again, in, in the last minute, we talked about that trailer, uh, and that does feature like I think very memorably because I've seen that trailer like fifty thousand times. But, <laughs> um, it's a good. Good song cover, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Frank Sinatra's Gonna Live Till I Die. And that's got a real... It really, really works in that because it's just the way they edited it to the coin flipping and it's just got the... It's a real lively... And then I think I was kind of like expecting it to be in the movie. I don't think it ever is. I think they're just like, no, that was just the trailer. Like, we don't have any need for it in the film. But Which is interesting because sometimes you... Like, you have that kind of memorable trailer and it doesn't get in there. But then you also have the song that is so memorable in the trailer that they're like okay we're gonna use it and we're gonna use it twice uh i'm thinking about thor ragnarok with immigrant song where oh, they're just yeah. like yeah. time to use this song twice in the movie because uh 
we have the rights to it and yeah. it works. I so. think that's the thing. I think like Led Zeppelin are quite litigious and very, very particular about who they give their songs out to. So imagine if you spent the money to get Led Zeppelin, you're like, okay, you better use this song, okay? <laughs> you better use and, it. And, and I, use from it. what I, from what I heard, Taika Waititi um, actually like pitched Thor Ragnarok by basically having like a slideshow to set to immigrant song at mm. least. At least that's what I heard. So uh, he's just kind of like, okay, we have the rights to this. We're gonna use it, and you know what? It's so good. We're gonna use it twice. And <laughs> I, I, does anybody mind? I don't know. It's. I think it's good. I think it's because I, <laughs> I was a teenage like Zephead. I was a big Led Zeppelin fan. Mm-hmm. So like sitting down to like the third, like oh okay, third third Thor movie. All right, it's a uh, hunt for the wilder people guy. Okay, this would probably be okay. And then yeah. just like, yeah, Thor bursting out of that cage and zooming around on the hammer with immigrant song playing. It's like, holy shit, this is great. <laughs> I think yeah, that, that's what, it's five minutes that's in, what, this is already the best movie they've made. Okay, you sold me. That's Yeah, that's one of those moments where you're just like, you know, I'm just enjoying this ride sitting in this movie theater. I am like basically clapping because I'm just having such a good time. It's mm. it's. And then you it's finally so remember later on, oh, Jeff Goldblum's in this too. Oh my God, it's going to get better. <laughs> And you're like, wait, there's Carl Urban as, as this weird dude. And you're like, okay, yeah. I'll take it. It was one of those <laughs> weird things of walking away. So I remember critics at the time going like, you know, for something called Ragnarok, it doesn't feel as big as it should. And I was like, I don't give it. It, it felt it was the best thing that Marvel's ever made. Okay. <laughs> it was so good. And I don't care. Uh, and I'm also at... Uh, we got to save the universe fatigue, so... Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the thing, too. Like, we, we want them to freaking have this thing. Like, you know that like, the universe is going to end in a couple of movies' time. Just give them some reprieve. Right. His planet blows up, for Christ's sake. Is that not big enough Right, planet? exactly. <laughs> we don't have Asgard anymore. That's a, that's a, that's a big deal, you guys. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, so do you have anything else that you'd like to uh, mention about this particular minute? No, no, I think I'm, I think I'm good for this minute. All right. Um, so our question of the our daily question is: uh, Do you have any particular uh, or general feelings about uh, murder mystery films? Do you have any others that you particularly like, or um, is this kind of is this a genre that you uh, are, are into, or what? Oh. What are your feelings about it? I mean, like, well, the thing is, because I'm you know child of uh, the '80s and '90s, so mm-hmm. particularly too, growing up in Ireland and then getting English television, where Obviously, everyone of that age would have grown up with, oh, Murder, She Wrote was a thing that was just on all the time. And you just kind of, mm-hmm. you just kind of like that. Because it's just, yeah, it's just there. It's like a comforting blanket. And then you had, um, what was the one with Dick Van Dyke? Um, he was oh, a doctor. Gosh. Oh, God. Um, diagnosis Murder. That was the one. Uh, that was on all the time, too. I think that was a cool diagnosis. I'll just quickly google that to make sure because otherwise people will be like oh, yeah, yeah. yes yes diagnosis <laughs> um then uh you know like all the father dowling mysteries all these things were just on tv all the time so you just sort of were just used to them being there there's also just a period of english tv where it was like all they knew how to make was cop dramas so all he had was like <laughs> Poro, oh, that's ruth that was Rendell the case mysteries. with american tv too yeah. yeah i think it was a real thing of like just 90s television I guess maybe. Oh, like, absolutely. You could say it was like maybe it was like a post Twin Peaks thing, but I'm pretty sure it existed before Twin Peaks as well. Because Twin Peaks was like, oh, the murder mystery element. It was only one part of a multifaceted show. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas, like, for whatever reason, TV execs just gravitated towards as a kind of quirky detective 
And hey, there's a mystery every goddamn week. So they... <laughs> <laughs> there's a detective. There's a something that's a little bit different. And this is our standard, uh, our procedural. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I hate... There's like... I feel like everybody has like at least one procedural that they're like, I'll watch that if, if I want to watch a procedural. And yeah, there's... Yeah. But yeah. But I mean, beyond that, I think that there is always something really satisfying about a mystery movie or mm. I mean, one something of my, kind of unfurling. One of my favorite books um, is The Black Dahlia, like the James Elroy. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 all that is is a murder mystery. There's like a murder mystery. In the book, they give you an answer, but in real life, it's still like, I still don't know who murdered The Black Dahlia. Oh, Dahlia's. yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, that's, that's the other thing, too, is that, is that true crime is becoming... Are becoming more popular and it is already very very popular and a lot of those are just completely unsolved crimes but you you like to kind of think oh what is the weird solution to this or what's the weird uh way that it could all kind of come together but i mean there's something very satisfying about either a mystery that gets solved or a mystery that's uh unsolved the thing is because i gotta imagine um like in the night had this movie come out in the 90s there mm-hmm. probably would have been like a TV spinoff. Like it would have been, you wouldn't have got Daniel Craig back. Uh, well, I was even in the nineties, Daniel Craig probably would have been playing the part anyway, <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know, to do that thing, like nowadays you probably, if you had a Benoit Blanc show, Daniel Craig probably would be in it because TV's the new cinema now. Like everybody, Zendaya's starring in freaking. well, she came from TV, went to cinema, then went back to the freaking TV with the euphoria. Yeah. So, so everyone's like, all the big stars are hopping on the TV now, but like, I just wonder, like, nowadays, if they had a Benoit Blanc TV show, who would be the TV Daniel Craig? Oh, who would be, like, the kind of t- Daniel Craig but lesser, so... The one oh, that's I, a I, good question. The only one I could think of, and it's a, the immediate surge for it, is um, Chris Gear. I don't know, have you ever seen the show You're the Worst? Ah, uh, uh, I, I haven't watched it, but I know... I know what you're talking about. There's a, a scene where, like, because him and Aya Cash are, like, the like the stars of it. And there's a scene where they're on a park bench, and she's talking about, like, how hot Daniel Craig is. And he just goes, like, oh, Daniel Craig, like, he looks like an angry baby. And then she kind of takes a moment, and she's like, oh, my God, you're right. So I would, I would love the bitter irony of Chris Gere playing Benoit Blanc on TV because of the way, like, oh, that's the guy who took the piss out of the way Daniel Craig looks. Now he's playing Daniel Craig on TV. <laughs> no, that would be pretty pretty good. I, I I always appreciate something like that. So yeah. I would be I would be a total fan on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, no, I think you're absolutely right. It is it is interesting that uh, if if there was like a TV show spinoff, it would be very much like okay, we cannot get any of the original cast mm. except for maybe like one person. You'd who have shows to do. Up. Because this, this movie is like a movie dripping with stars as well. So it's like, oh, 100%. It's like, oh, hey, we're just going to like, here, let's let's just throw in some Tony Collette in here. Yeah. Let's just throw in uh, Christopher Plummer as Harlan. And it's mm. like, there's Frank Oz. Just like, let's, it's like, well, hey, Frank yeah, Oz. Right, <laughs> let's see it. right, exactly. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, so. Uh, uh. I think a TV though they'd have to do like the Columbo thing where it's like it's a star but it's one star per episode, and that's exactly. always the murderer. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you know, back in Columbo days, it's like, oh, Johnny Cash. Oh, I guess he's the murderer. <laughs> and like nowadays, <laughs> we're like, oh, Trent Reznor is is in this episode of Ben Blanc. I guess he's the murderer. <laughs> well, now yeah, I can't want to see that happen. It's like now I want to go to HBO and be like, Ben, go to Ryan Johnson. Like I know you got a sequel movie planned. 
like get this. But also, <laughs> also an HBO series. Oh my god, that'd be really good. I, uh, and I think we're going to um, get a little bit more into uh, sequel type um, sequel ideas in the next episode, so we can talk about what we want to see more from uh, okay. Knives Out. Uh, further in the Benoit Blanc cinematic universe. So, um, uh, unless you have anything to add, I think that this will uh, wrap up this episode. No, I think um, I'm, I'm good. All right. Uh, thank you for um, for joining me today. Uh, have any plugs or anything you want to share today? Uh, well, just the same as yesterday. Uh, Batman, uh, podcast that analyzes the Batman movies one minute at a time, uh, and it's available on all good podcatchers, Spotify, and. Apple Pod... It's not iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts, right? So, um, <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, then you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and yada, yada, yada. So. Sounds good. And then also follow uh, this show on Twitter, uh, Knives Out Minute on Twitter. And I think that'll do it. Uh, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay.